It's the ultimate public airwaves because we actually let the public use it. This is episode 262 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. TV white spaces and white space technology has been in the news lately. Microsoft recently announced a plan to use white spaces to bring high-speed internet access to rural areas across the country. This week, Harold Feld from Public Knowledge takes some time to talk with Christopher about the announcement and white space spectrum. Microsoft has raised a stir with their proposal, and Harold explains why. Before we start the interview, we want to remind you that this is a commercial-free podcast, but it isn't free to produce. Please take a minute to contribute at ILSR.org. If you're already a contributor, thank you for playing a part in keeping our podcast going. Now here's Christopher with Harold Feld from Public Knowledge. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits Podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance, and I'm talking today with Harold Feld, the Senior Vice President for Public Knowledge. Welcome back to the show, Harold. Thank you. One of the things that you've been working on for a very long time is something called TV white spaces. Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit about what they are? Yeah, so... This is always very confusing because, uh, like a lot of things, the name doesn't actually make any sense uh, if you're not immersed in this. What in wireless spectrum talk, white spaces are frequency bands that haven't been assigned to anyone because they appear usually if you have a chart of how spectrum is allocated, you know, who's in doing what in which frequency bands. Something that has not been assigned to anybody appears in white. So engineers call that a white space. So television needs a lot of these because television is a very old technology. Um, it, what, it uses very powerful transmitters. And uh, the way it was developed was that to prevent interference from television stations interfering with each other or radio stations interfering with each other, you had to have spaces between the, the channels. So in every market, there are these empty television channels. Uh, in a lot of markets, there are a lot of empty television channels because there just isn't uh, enough, you know, there aren't financial reasons to have lots and lots of channels in uh, the less crowded areas. But even in places like New York City or Los Angeles, you have a lot of these empty channels called white spaces. And uh, for a long time now, people have been pointing out that the technology uh, for wireless has advanced to a point that you can let people use low-power devices in these unassigned TV channels, these TV white spaces, and use them uh, to do things like Wi-Fi uh, or other kinds of Internet access services like Bluetooth uh, or, or uh, these other things. And because these frequencies are what we call uh, low band, their their physical characteristics make them very valuable and very useful even at low power. So if you've ever set up Wi-Fi in your house, you'll notice that, um, you know, sometimes there's like a wall or something and uh, uh, you can't get through it um, and you need to put another router on the other side. Uh, With TV white spaces, the way this works, those frequencies will go through uh, solid objects a lot more easily, um, and they travel further. So uh, it lets you uh, set up these uh, devices, sometimes they call this super Wi-Fi, uh, so that you can use 
fewer routers to uh, provide coverage. They can uh, work in places where standard Wi-Fi frequencies don't work. So um, this has been uh, a really important uh, FCC proceeding for a while now. And this is something that uh, we've talked about. It's it's been deployed. Uh, certainly, we've we've actually talked with Don Means before and the work that they're doing with the Gigabit Libraries project. So this isn't anything particularly new. Uh, what does the Microsoft announcement that they are going to be working with local groups to deploy more of these white spaces networks? What does that mean? Every technology goes through a bunch of different phases. It starts to come out in the first generation technology. People get, you know, very excited about it. Then you have the real world developments. People have to go back to the drawing board, tweak things. Uh, But then for a lot of technologies, there's a second act, you know, that uh, when the pieces, as uh, Microsoft General Counsel Brad Smith said in his uh, presentation on this, uh, there's a moment when things gel and it's ready to roll out and companies are ready to make a commitment. So we had white spaces rules were finalized in a way that was useful in 2010. Um, So that was about uh, seven years ago. Uh, The first generation uh, technology came out around 2012, 2013. Uh, We have seen some first generation deployments in this, you know, Don Means and a couple of others. Those real world experiences got taken back to the drawing board. Microsoft has been doing it not just here in the United States, but in a lot of places outside of the United States as well. And their announcement says, okay, this is now ready to go big. You know, we're ready to invest in it. Um, You'll get the economies of scale. Think about like the difference in cellular coverage from the early 90s to the late 90s. We first started getting cell phones out in the late 80s, you know, big brick things that, you know, were basically toys for for rich people. And everyone's like, oh, that's crazy. Why would I ever want that? It's super expensive. But then the technology changed. We went from 1G to 2G, the second generation wireless technology. And suddenly, you know, the technology was better. The phones were were lighter uh, and they became a, a lot more affordable for people. A lot more companies started getting into it, started building towers. And in just a few years in the 1990s, we went from almost nobody having a cellular phone and very few wireless networks uh, being deployed to lots of people having wireless phones and national coverage built, you know, virtually overnight. That was the moment when things came together. And we look back, you know, now with our 4G stuff, that was just so super primitive. And, and But at the time, it was amazing and revolutionary to people just how quickly mobile phones came to be deployed, you know, in the years between 1994 and 2000. So, you know, whereas the technology had been approved all the way back in the mid-1980s, and, you know, nothing much happened until we got to the 94-95. So, you know, we're seeing the same thing here, and Microsoft's announcement is really the seed that brings it all together. One of our uh, mutual friends, Matt Rantanen, has been also using the TV white spaces, and he was noting that it's pretty expensive to deploy. It's on the order of uh, $800 to $1,000 per unit. And one of the things you were telling me is that we would expect that price to be dropping now with Microsoft's commitment. Right, exactly, because it's all about the economies of scale. Well, Brad Smith, again, in his you know speech, held up an adaptrum unit and said, right now this costs $800. By next year, it's going to cost $200. So, you know, that's a big drop. 
That's because when you have a company like Microsoft that comes in and says, yeah, we're now betting on this technology for a whole bunch of different things, not just for rural broadband, but for precision farming, a whole bunch of, you know, Internet of Things type platforms. We're going to buy enough of these units to start driving the price down. And that's something that can have a really quick, dramatic effect. I mean, again, we saw this with, you know, cell phones where um, the prices came down very uh, dramatically. We saw this with laptop computers, which, you know, used to be $5,000 devices. And then, you know, now you can you can get them cheap. Uh, we saw this with, with Wi-Fi, unlicensed spectrum where Wi-Fi takes place was approved by the FCC in the 1980s. Um, It took until 1999 for the IEEE standards body to approve what is the kind of core Wi-Fi standard. Uh, And uh, uh, the first uh, year or two, it was, uh, those were were pretty expensive gadgets. But then people started putting them in uh, every uh, laptop. Um, and uh, that kind of economy of scale drove the price down to be you know, very cheap, so people started trying to do networks with them, and now we expect to find Wi-Fi pretty much uh, everywhere we're going. One of the interesting things that's been a reaction is the broadcasters seem not just opposed to this, but really over the top in terms of making really uh, outlandish claims about Microsoft being a bad actor and this and that. Why are they so upset? Well, I mean, there are a couple of things here. One is the broadcasters have always been like junkyard dogs in terms of defending what they see as their spectrum. Now, of course, it's the public airwaves. You don't own this stuff, and broadcasters in particular who got this for free are treating it like, hey, this is our backyard. Even the stuff we're not using is our backyard, and everybody keep out of it. And unfortunately, that's very typical of the way the broadcasters behave. This goes back a long, long way when the FCC was actually looking at opening up the rules um, back in the 1980s, as I said, for unlicensed technologies. Um, you know, the broadcasters were able to keep the FCC from opening up any kind of underlay in their frequency bands because, you know, we're special and you shouldn't do this, even though, you know, you're putting it in a lot of other places. But, you know, we're special and don't mess with us. So, There's just a history there of them being all like this. But additionally, there's a financial thing. Broadcasters are actually going to the FCC right now asking for free spectrum. They're saying, hey, we want to upgrade the digital television standard from what it is now, which is something called um, ATSC 1.0. They want to upgrade this to something that's called ATSC 3.0. And that technology would let them offer much more easily the same services that people are talking about offering using the TV white spaces, except they would be able to charge people for them rather than have people just do them themselves. So they are trying to keep competitors out while they push the FCC to give them freebies. You know, there's a delightful irony here of the head of the National Association of Broadcasters getting out there, you know, and saying, you know, it's true, you know, we got our spectrum for free. We're right now asking the FCC to upgrade our spectrum access for free. We want to be able to use these white spaces ourselves for free, but Microsoft is bad because they could have bought stuff at auction and didn't. 
And again, the thing that's like most frustrating to me as, as somebody who doesn't have a product and, you know, is TV white spaces is unlicensed open spectrum. It's like Wi-Fi. Nobody owns Wi-Fi. It's not like, oh, open this up. That was like a giveaway to Cisco or Broadcom or anybody who makes the, the Wi-Fi routers and sells the equipment. No, it's anybody can use it. It's the ultimate public airwaves because we actually let the public use it. And only in Washington, D.C. could opening up the public airwaves to the public be called a giveaway by a lobbying organization. I, I have to say, it's, it strikes me as like saying that public parks are a giveaway to the Frisbee industry. Right, exactly. You know, it's, or, you know, in the copyright world, it's like saying public domain is a giveaway because it somehow doesn't let Disney own Mickey Mouse forever. The last thing I wanted to make sure we covered was just what we can expect from this uh, technology, because the term super Wi-Fi, I think, might lead people to believe that it's super in terms of being insanely fast, uh, where I don't think it's as fast as Wi-Fi even is today. Uh, the super part is that it's much more capable of, of going uh, through obstacles. Uh, so what kind of speeds might we expect from this equipment? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, and, and again, it's important to, to recognize that TV white space isn't so much a technology as a bunch of frequencies we're opening up so that people can develop new technologies. Right now, you know, and again, it's important to keep in mind there's a difference between speeds you can get in the laboratory versus speeds that you can actually get in the real world. Right now, uh, I think what they're talking about is putting out networks that would operate at 45 megabits per second um, symmetrical both ways, which uh, in a lot of rural areas is much better than what you have now. And even for a lot of folks in urban areas, if you do it cheaply and affordably, that's better than the just that are available at uh, much higher prices from the, the cable companies. The problem is wireless is very complicated. So, and we're talking about devices that are operating at comparatively very low power. You know, television stations operate at like 50,000 watts. Your TV white space device um, is operating at one watt for the fixed devices, even less than that in, in microwatts for the more mobile devices when those come out. So the other thing that people have to keep in mind is your speed of your broadband network isn't just about the wireless part. It also then depends a lot on the backhaul, what's available, if you're using wireless to bring it back to some place where it will land on fiber um, for backhaul, then um, every hop costs you, as it moves from one tower to another, costs you more uh, speed. So we're probably talking initially things that are more in the range of 10 megabits per second down, you know, with potentially you know, the same or slightly less up. So initially, this is going to be good for people who don't really have anything, um, and it will give them stuff that's useful, but not up to where it needs to be. Now, again, the technology is going to keep getting better as it moves along. And, you know, the Microsoft folks have said, we're depending on a bunch of other inputs. We're depending on the FCC doing things to make it possible to use the spectrum more effectively. We're depending on finding ways to do things like getting fiber out, not in the communities to serve the communities, at least close enough that we can use it as backhaul for the networks that are set up with these TV white space devices. So, uh, you know, everybody should keep in mind, listeners can be 
should keep in mind that we're we're at the beginning here. So um, in rural areas, you have a lot of open uh, TV white spaces because you get a lot of unused channels. Um, that gives you a lot of capacity so you can get better speed on the wireless side. But that's offset by having uh, in a lot of places still needing to use copper or some kind of wireless for your backhaul. Um, so that drops the, the apparent speed. So I would say look for this to be more like 8 to 10 megabits um, locally, at least in the first generation deployments. Thank you for that. Um, I want to thank you for your um, all the information you've given us, uh, the advocacy you've done, and also recommend that if people aren't reading your tales from the sausage factory, it's uh, both entertaining and informative. So thanks for that as well. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. That was Harold Feld from Public Knowledge talking with Christopher about different white spaces and a recent commitment from Microsoft to work with ISPs in order to bring connectivity to rural areas using white space technology. Check out our stories on white spaces at muninetworks.org, including information on several library projects. Also, if you go to publicknowledge.org and investigate their information on spectrum reform, you'll find more. We have transcripts for this and other Community Broadband Bits podcasts available at muninetworks.org slash broadbandbits. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org with your ideas for the show. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. Follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter where the handle is at muninetworks. Subscribe to this podcast and the other ILSR podcasts, Building Local Power and the Local Energy Rules podcast. You can access them on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Subscribe to our monthly newsletter at ILSR.org. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle license through Creative Commons. And thanks for listening to episode 262 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. Music